Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Won't you stay and play with me? I'm having a tea party. It's such a lovely day to have a tea party. I'm having a tea party. I'm having a tea party. Won't you stay and play with me? me? Yes, I can. Okay. Hello? And Paul, are you there also? Yes. Okay. And before we go on, Karen, um, did you have some questions for Paul? Because we're going to start the show. Yes. So go right ahead and ask. I had a dream about a, a dark person opening up a door and I walked into this room. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Um, did you feel anything from the context yourself of, of what you thought it might be? I, You know, I have dreams a lot, and I can interpret them. Like my twin just had a, a dream that her son was going to have twins, and I had a dream also that one of them, I saw the two babies in bed, then I saw one of them going over by the red, and I didn't hear it anymore. But the other one, I pulled back the covers, and it was a beautiful baby. Hmm. So do you see what I mean? I have dreams all the time, but I just didn't understand this dream. Okay. Um, was this like your house that you, you opened the door and there was a dark thing there? No. There was no dark thing. But the person that opened up the door, I don't understand what that person was. You know, sometimes I see dark forces and sometimes I don't, but I just didn't understand who that person was. Well, it's probably just very symbolic in general of perhaps, um, you know, the human ego or or darkness in general. It's, it's very difficult to tell. You don't have too many details there in this dream, so mm-hmm. um, you're saying that the, the being opened the door. Yes, well, it could be a human being or it could be, uh, you know, an angel or whatever. But I didn't feel that it was white. It was light. I Uh, felt like it was gray but not black. Were you you, um, frightened at all of this? No, I was confused why that person was opening up the door for me to go into this room. Okay. Well, I, I personally had similar dreams where I would approach a door and that there was uh, some kind of, you know, like monster or dark being out there. Uh, but in these, I felt <clears throat> fear, and that was uh, something I, I had to deal with uh, personally. Uh-huh. But I if you didn't to. feel any fear, I mean, that's a good thing, because if you were accosted by a, a negative being and you didn't feel fear, I mean, that might be a very good sign that, um, you know, you, you might be a very spiritual person and you, and you have a, a deeper understanding of things that, that you don't have so much fear as the normal person. I know, I do. I um like my husband when we were together, um I would have dreams about him coming when we separated and um it would be a dark force coming at me. It wouldn't be him but a dark force. And then I would be really humble around these people for the next two or three days and it seemed like he was the one that was slashing out at me. Right, because at this point, you know, for years now, I have not been afraid of anything from the dark, so I don't 
run from it. It doesn't frighten me. I don't cower or anything. So, so if you encountered a dark being and you weren't afraid, like I said, I, I think that's just a very good sign that uh, you're very well balanced and you have a pretty good understanding um, internally of, of spirituality and that um, the only thing to fear is fear itself, mm-hmm. as Roosevelt said. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's a very, it's a, it seems very positive, uh, at least uh, from what you told me. I do, too, in a way, and then in a way i got to be very careful. Right. Now, do you have any uh, dream dictionaries? No, I don't. Okay, I would suggest uh, if you're going to be getting information like this in dreams, you should get yourself... I've been doing this since I was about 14 years old. Yeah, and do you keep a dream diary? No. Okay, that's another good thing you should do. Get a journal. Every morning when you wake up, um, you write down anything you can remember about the dream. And then have a set of uh, two to three dream dictionaries because they're all a little bit different. And mm-hmm. write down the main elements of the dream and then um, go through these books. And when you find what the symbolism is, oftentimes you can piece together exactly what this is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been very effective for me over the years. And um, I know a lot of people uh, I've told to do that, and it really works out well for them. But that when you start keeping that dream diary or, or journal, you actually start remembering things a lot better when you start doing that. And you can look back and see that a lot of dreams you have that you didn't understand at the time were actually a prophetic dream about something that's going to occur in the future. Mm -hmm. And do you see anything good happening within the future? Because I just went through a a terrible situation where my son had a 40th birthday and my husband, he's still my husband, brought his girlfriend to us. And I was so humiliated. Well, when you say, do I see anything good having you mean for you personally? Yes. Well, um, I'm not that kind of medium or psychic. Um, oh. I, I kind of specialize in, in you know, the, dealing with the spirits and uh, soul retrieval. But in just in general, based, based on my knowledge, you know, the word good is relative because to God, good is basically everything that happens. Uh, mm-hmm. At, at his level, he sees everything it just is. It's only down here on the human plane where we, you know, split it up into good and bad. So really what you should strive for is just try to understand that anything bad that happens, you have to um, put an absolute value sign around it and say, okay, now somehow this was for my growth, this was for my ultimate good, and in order to, to help you deal with it. Because everybody's going to have you know, what we consider bad things happen to us. There's got to be a balance. And what so you, you can't... I'm sorry? Go on. Go on. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, you, you can't avoid it. I, I've known a lot of people who want life to be just flowers and fun and everything, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't work that way because there is a balance. And as you grow and raise up in consciousness, you have to have good and bad experiences, both. And to learn to deal with what we consider bad things, um, you have to get to the point where... Um, you realize that, okay, now this was just put in front of me as some kind of challenge, something to learn from, but not to let it steal your joy. Because mm-hmm. the joy has to come from the inside, not from something external to yourself. What do you mean by soul retrieval? What I call soul retrieval is um, earthbound spirits that did not go into the light or dark entities that are here to to bother us. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the soul retrieval is just strictly the, the earthbound souls. I help them move into the light. 
And the dark entities, I don't call that soul retrieval. That's more like soul removal or spirit removal. Mm. Okay. Do you see anything negative around me? Um, not really. I think, uh, like I said, you seem to be pretty well balanced and on a, on a spiritual path somewhat. So I think if you, like I said, um, start focusing on, uh, do you do any meditation? No. Okay, that would be good for you because if you're having dreams of the type you're talking about, they're very symbolic and you know that they're trying to tell you something. And that's, that's important right there that you know it's trying to tell you something. So if you start mm-hmm. keeping your, your um, journal and get a couple dream dictionaries, there's one by Wilda B. Tanner called Mystical Marvelous World of Dreams. That's very good. That's the main one I use. And um, you can find things in there and see what it symbolizes. And so when your soul gives you this information in the dream, often it uses things that they, you, they'll know you're going to be able to find in that book so you can piece together and figure out um, what it's trying to tell you. Because okay. there's many people I work with where they tell me to dream, and if I don't get it intuitively, I look in the book and I go, oh, my God, this is incredible because this is exactly you know, what's going on in your life right now, that's what they're trying to tell you and what direction you're going. Is it like key words in the book? Um, you focus on room or um, walking right. into so in other words, room? If, or... uh, if, you, if this was your house that this negative being was in, then you look up house and it says, you know, that's kind of like basically you, your soul. And so if there's something negative in there, then that's something you're dealing with within your own, like, human ego. Because the human ego is the part of us that is dark and separates us from God. So, like I said, it would be a very symbolic dream if if that's what it was, if he was actually, like, in your house. But, no, again, if you weren't house, afraid of it. I couldn't understand. I walked it? into a place I didn't know where I was. Hmm. Hmm. Well, like but I said. I have um, to watch for the next couple, through three or four days and see what happens. Yeah. You know, I um, just had it this morning. Okay, now, when you have these dreams, do you ever, um, you know, get any kind of feeling from them? Or, you know, oh, sometimes I get, I get to where my hands tingle or my whole body will tingle or my eyes will flutter at times when I'm watching something and something's going to happen or my ear will flutter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you ever um, have tone come into your ear like tinnitus? No. Well, what do you mean? Well, like um, you'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden you'll hear this, you know, in one of your ears for about 10 or 15 seconds, and then it goes away. Uh, I used to a long, long time ago, but then I started studying with Pastor Murray, and a lot of that stuff stopped. Oh, you know why? Because those tones in your ear are spirit talking to you, like your spirit guide or angels. And so um, if you started doing something that um, was kind of like blocking your spiritual growth, then that's probably why they stopped because um, of what you were doing. Okay. (laughs) I've been studying the Bible for a lot of years. And um, once I got studying with Pastor Murray, um, a lot of those bad things that used to happen stopped. I I was just amazed. Hmm. Well, um, you know, like I said, everything that happens in our life is uh, is based on, on karma. And, um, you know, you set your life plan before you even come here. 
of all the events that are going to be happening, the major events. And there's a certain amount of free will involved with uh, choices you can make. But uh, most of the major events are pretty much uh, preset. Mm-hmm. I'm learning all that stuff now. A lot of the stuff, the Bible really doesn't get into depth about it. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean because yeah. um, um, I know people, you know, I was raised a Christian, and uh, when I started dealing with uh, spirit on the other side, I'm finding out that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on on the other side that we're just not told about and really have no reason to fear after all. So, um, yeah, if you strictly interpret the Bible literally, then, you know, you're kind of basically remaining static. Yeah. You're not You're you not have growing. to learn... Yeah, you have to learn what the the words actually mean in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Chaldean, you know, and then it opens up a, a whole new understanding. And I really improved. And I've been under his, watching him from the TV, from the satellite for about 14 years. So, well, I thank you very much for talking with me. Okay, so like I said, uh, keep your dream journal and, and start looking it up, and uh, you'll be surprised at the things you start to see. Okay, it's called Wilderby Turner? Tanner. Okay. Uh, first name Wilda, middle initial B, last name Tanner. Okay. That's a very good dream dictionary. And thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. And thank you so much for calling in, Karen. I um, uh, hope that we we're able to give you some insight on the things you've been experiencing. Please. Um, join our chat room if you like. If you have any additional questions, and um, just listen in to the rest of the show. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, honey. Bye-bye. Okay, so here we are. Um, Paul, I am so happy to have you in here today on my show, Mingle Zone Network. I'm very happy to be here. I'm glad to have this opportunity to talk to you. And uh, I know that we um, had talked earlier and there was a lot of things that we went over, but I wanted to um, have our listeners um, learn some more about you first before we go into any additional questions. So do you care to um, tell us more about your background? Um, you know, what what was it that brought you to where you are right now? Okay, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Uh, <laughs> basically, I was raised rather normally. Um, um, and looking back at my childhood, I realized that there was a lot of things that were happening that probably people would consider paranormal, but to me it was just normal. Um, you know, my mother was a big Edgar Casey fan, so I learned about reincarnation and spirits and ghosts and all kinds of things. Um, then, um, and I was raised, of course, in a Christian church, and uh, when I was going to college, all these kind of weird things stopped for a while, and I went into the Army as an, an officer, served for over 22 years, and um, as you know, you know, officers in the Army or, or people in the Army in general or military, you know, pretty rigid-minded, um, conservative, and um, mission-oriented. And so, you know, none of this foolishness uh, with this paranormal stuff. So um, everything was going great, and I was in uh, Bosnia in 1997 as a major, and I came out of the dining facility, and there was these soldiers looking up in the sky all in the same direction. So I stopped, and I looked to see what they were looking at, and there was a ball of light up there. It seemed uh, at least a mile away. It was difficult to tell exactly how far away, but it was it was phasing in and out. It would uh, disappear, 
and then it would reappear in the same spot a few seconds later. And, it, and you could tell it was spherical, but it was light, and um, it was really perplexing. And we all sat there watching, or stood there watching this for several minutes until it finally just faded away and did not come back. And none of us were saying anything. We were just mesmerized. And uh, so when it finally um, stopped for the last time, we all just kind of disbanded from what I remember. I don't think we really uh, were saying much to each other from what I remember. So I just went back to my uh, where I was working. But um, this triggered something inside me. Um, after that, I just had this voracious appetite for books about UFOs, and I was reading those, and then all of a sudden <clears throat> um, I started reading books about the soul and about mediums and about all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was just, you know, one book after the other. I'd have three or four books going at the same time sometimes, and um, I started having prophetic dreams. Um, then I started in 2000. I went to my first uh, medium for a reading all over the phone, and she told me a lot of stuff that um, kind of put some things in perspective. Um, and she told me if I started meditating, I was going to start getting my own information. And she was right about that because um, after meditating for a while, I did, in fact, start get, getting telepathic information and started dealing with my my guides on the other side. <clears throat> and um, now my the first medium that I dealt with, uh, she had kind of given me the impression that I was going to be like a medium that does readings. I mean, that's what I thought. But then when all this, quote-unquote, training started from this guidance, they were teaching me to deal with um, moving energy. Um, and then uh, someone else was introduced to my life who was a... Uh, a Buddhist priest, and he was Japanese, and this was in Hawaii, and he taught me this uh, moving of energy, removing uh, negative energies and entities from people, and I worked with him for about a year and a half, and he's a good friend of mine. And while I was working with him, um, I also started using these um, CDs called Hemisync from the Monroe Institute, and it said that if you use those properly, it's the equivalent of like 15 years worth of meditation. And mm -hmm. I got to the, you know, it's like a, a seven-layer uh, sequence. And when I got to the last layer, it was like, whoa. Every time I used it, my consciousness would just go somewhere. Um, and all kinds of weird places, obviously not on the earth. And I would meet... Uh, people who would tell me things, and I wouldn't always remember what they're telling me, but I obviously was learning while I was there, even if I didn't remember it when I got back. And so this went on for quite a while, and at the time I was had a pretty important job um, with um, uh, the Department of Defense. It was my um, last few years in the Army, and so it was kind of difficult because my head was up in the ether, and yet you know, I had to go deal every day with colonels and generals and briefings and, you know, all kinds of things. We ran a 24-hour, you know, 365-day-a-year communication center that took care of Department of Defense communications for the entire Pacific. So this was, you know, demanded a lot of attention. So uh, my attention was very split at that point. And uh, I don't know how I held together, but I did. And <clears throat> early on in my training... Uh, they would, um, they meaning spirit, you know, that whoever was guiding me at the time, would send me into almost like these training scenarios, almost like a simulation, you know, on a, on a computer game, 
where I would go to someone's house and there would be a dark entity there and I had this white sword and I would chop it up very aggressively. And it would uh, usually scream in pain and then I would bring some kind of light down and it would get taken away somewhere screaming. And this went on for a while and uh, they would present me with uh, things that didn't look like they were from the dark but actually were, you know, in other words, misrepresenting themselves. So they, they did all these different scenarios. So I would have to figure out who's good and who's bad. Um, then after a while, I started just using light instead of the sword. Um, I, if they would stand the light, then they were of the light, and if they didn't, then they were bad. And then I got to the point where, as my understanding increased, I realized that um, you know these guys are just here doing a job, and so you don't have to be nasty to them. Um, you just have to tell them to go away. Uh, so to speak, um, but I learned to basically bring the light down, and if they weren't willing to go in, then these angels would help take them in. So uh, depending on how powerful they were or how nasty they were, um, the angels would come and help uh, at the appropriate level. Do you have any questions at this point? or? Well, uh, one of our audience in uh, the chat room has a question. They want to know how many years... Uh, have you been using your gifts? Okay, well, um, the first six years from 97 till uh, like 2002, late 2002, I was mainly just reading things and having, you know, little prophetic dreams and a lot of synchronicity. I started noticing in my environment all these different things happening that were connected, and I knew it, and it was just incredible. Um, finding all these things, and you realize, hey, that wasn't an accident, hey, that wasn't an accident, it's all connected. But I would say heavy training started in late 2002, and up until my first professional clearing was um, in November 2007. So up until then, I was kind of like what I consider a training phase. And I would mainly do this for uh, acquaintances or, or friends um, on a training basis. And, uh, but as of 2007, I got to the point where you know, I was very proficient, and, and so I started uh, doing it full-time. And, in fact, uh, I understand that that's basically what I'm supposed to be doing full-time is this work. Okay, well, thank you for answering several questions. Um, now, I, I do have a question. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. And just for the people who are just coming into the uh, um, show, uh, my name is Ravenda. I'm your host for the evening. I'm speaking with Paul Phillips. Um, and what I do want to ask you when we go back a little bit is when you first had an experience in which you saw a spirit or if you, you know, actually met a spirit guide, what were your feelings at that time? Was it easy for you to believe what you were seeing? Well, um, I'm trying to remember, um, hmm. I mean, because, you know, there was a lot of stuff in dreams prior to actually, um, you know, sending my consciousness out to these places. But um, I think the first one was um, I was on some kind of planet that was, like, mainly water, and there was these dolphins. That's where I started out with the dolphins, and they were very friendly. They were talking to me saying, hey, Hey, great to see you. And I'm like, yeah, well, let's, and they said, come on back and see us sometime. 
I said, well, if I could figure out how to get here, I guess I would. But what they did was they took me to this little island, very tiny island, like maybe 100 feet across, had these like 30-foot little hills on it, so you couldn't see across the other side. So I got to it. It was kind of like a peanut-shaped island. So I got to it, and I walked around to the other side, and there was this, um, you know, sage-looking kind of person. He was, um, you know, white hair, beard, and he had a, like a, you know, like that thing that, that, uh, Neptune holes is like a trident or something, something along that line. But anyway, he was passing on some important stuff, and this is like the first time this kind of thing had happened. And so, I did my best to listen, um, and I remember asking him specific questions. And um, some of them I got, some I didn't. But but that that was probably my first experience of that nature. That and it was it was very exciting. And um, but each time I would go in a different kind of thing would happen, and that's exactly what I was asking myself is, okay, am I crazy? Am I making this up or what? <laughs> but I found that, okay, now look, how can I, every time I go out there, I'm not thinking of, of what it is I'm going to see. It just happens like a little movie, an interactive movie that you're in. And so I had no real control over you know where I went, who I talked to, but eventually I got to the point where if I wanted to direct myself to a specific place, then I could do that. Like, for instance, uh, you know, like my secretary over there, she said, hey, I got some stuff in my house. Can, can you take a look? And I would focus my thought on her house and go there. So, you know, there was two things going on. There was, a, okay, wherever you want to take where my guidance wants to take me now, I would go. But then I could also start projecting myself to specific places. My consciousness, that is, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you when you had to go and and do these these particular missions, did you feel like overwhelmed with anything that that drew you to that, or did you did you feel hesitant at all? No, because um, the part of me that's um, at that place, you know, external to myself. It's not the physical me. It's still my consciousness, but it's a higher part of my consciousness. And it's as if I sort of automatically knew what to do. And I don't, it's hard to describe because, of, in part, I was thinking and, you know, want, knowing what I wanted to do. But on the other hand, there were some things I would do that were just automatic. Like, for example, um, let's see, my now ex-wife, her her father had passed away before I had even met her and married her. And... She was afraid he was in a dark place. So I went to find him, and he was, in fact, being held by these dark entities. So I ran up, I just instinctively ran up to him, and I did something to these guys. And I, I have no idea what I did. All I know is I grabbed a guy, and these guys, I, I don't know if I hit him or what, but I grabbed him, and then I shot, back, I shot up into the light. And we came up through a field, a green you know, pasture kind of field, and shot up about 20 feet, came back down, and there was this whole crowd of people, like, waiting to greet this guy. And he was would have been my father-in-law if he'd been alive when I married her. But So I'd never met him, but uh, on the way up, he said he approved of me as a son-in-law. I was still married to her at the time, so I said, well, that's, that's wonderful. So he walked off with this group, and, you know, and I suppose this was some level of heaven that he was in. And so he was very happy that he got there. So that would be an example of a soul retrieval. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds specific to me as well. So, um, 
I do have a few other questions from myself while I wait for our, our audience to um, have some questions as well. Um, audience members, please feel free to give us a call in. The show number is 347-237-5050. Uh, and uh, we'd be happy to have you call in and give us some uh, positive questions uh, for Paul. And uh, I see we do have a caller on the line. I'm going to open the line up and let them ask a question. Um, and this is for area code 410. Hello, Hello. caller from 410, please uh, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Anne Marie. I'm from Maryland. Hi, Anne-Marie. I'm Ravinda. I'm your host for the evening, and we are speaking with Paul Phillips. Did you have a question for him? Yeah. Um, the other day, my grand, I was in the kitchen, and I felt like a spirit moved in, through me because I was going through, I'm going through an issue with my current boyfriend. And I was going to what's up. Say, say it again. No, go ahead. I was going through, my grandmother, I think her spirit came either through me or she came near me. Because I jumped very, like, really briefly. And because um, I'm going through a situation with my boyfriend, and I know she's trying to be here to comfort me. And I don't know what that was about. Well, are you sure that was your grandmother? I'm, well, I know my grandmother was around me, so I'm thinking that's her. Well, I don't know. Just my impression is that whatever that was, it was not your grandma, and it wasn't the nicest thing in the world. It was kind of dark. Yeah, it was kind of dark. It made me jump, and I don't know exactly what it was. Because there was nobody. Usually my my parents played practice. Well, my old father and my younger brother and my older brother played the practice show for me during Halloween. And they used to hide in the steps. And they used to scare me in the dark. But there's nobody was in the room. It was just me. Well, in, in general, uh, like I said, I felt he's dark, but he's not like a demon. I mean, he's not going to do any huge damage, I don't think. But he's just one of those that, you know, likes to be there and bother people. And uh, if your grandma is there, that's not a good thing because she's probably a a good spirit. And when there's a dark spirit in there with a good spirit, they dominate the good spirit. So that that wouldn't be good if you know that your grandma is there. But, um, you know, in general, uh, if you have something like that, don't let it scare you. I mean, I know it's hard to say but um, or, or to do, but... See, because uh, beings from the light, we thrive off of light, love, you know, good feelings. But beings from the dark are the exact opposite. They thrive off negative emotions like anger, fear, you know, jealousy, any, anything bad or anything. So they, they tend to try to generate these kind of feelings in the people in the house because they thrive off that energy. And I think that energy is still around me because now, um, like, my fears are coming into play about my relationship, you know what I mean? And it wasn't like that before. Like, I would never think, like, real bad negative thoughts, and now I am. Yeah, well, you see, there you go. If you're thinking negative thoughts, you're opening yourself up to this kind of thing to bother you because it thrives off that, that negativity that you're giving off because your thoughts have energy, and if they're negative, they sense that, and they're drawn to you. Okay. Now, do you have time for another question, or is the line still? Go right ahead. Okay. I wanted to know about my current relationship. What's going to happen? Are we going to get back together or anything like that? Um, well, like I, I told another caller, I'm not that kind of medium. Um, oh. I'm, I'm focused. You know, my specialty, so to speak, is this you know, spirit removal. 
sometimes I do get other kinds of information for people, but um, and in general, um, mediums that do like readings, they'll tell you what's going to happen, but I'm more focused on why things happen. So in other words, I'm not real good at doing a reading and telling you hey, this, this, this is going to happen. But if you tell me about something that is happening, I can probably tell you why and, you know, things you may do to make it better. Okay. Um, me and him separated in January due to problems that was going on outside of our relationship. And we've been separated for a while. And from what I was told, he's honest with me to a certain degree, but not completely honest. Okay, here's the deal. I, I am an expert on relationships, though, because that was the big part of my training, um, in addition to the exorcism. In general, relation, you know, God uses um, interpersonal relationships, and particularly romantic relationships, as a major tool for learning lessons. And so one of the lessons about a relationship is, is if you're with someone and you feel joy most of the time, that's probably a good thing. But if you're with someone and they have insecurities or you guys have codependencies and you're finding that, you know, there's like maybe 30% joy but 70% frustration, uh, you have to kind of, you know, ask yourself, okay, do I want 70% frustration when there's only 30% joy? And then you have to look at, okay, now, what are we really doing for each other here? Is this a relationship that really should be or do I need to let go of that? Right. I understand. I ain't gonna cut you off. I understand that. See, he let me go because of the problem. He he made that decision on based on me. He did not want me. He didn't want me in a relationship where it was a lot of outside problems going on, and he would not be there for me. So he let technically in a way let go of me. Uh-huh. And it's been that way ever since. Well, like I said, um, your best guide is your your own intuition. And if in your gut you feel like, you know, this person makes me feel good all the time, I just love being around this person, then that's great. That's not, that's a relationship that's worth working on. But like I said, you have to be honest with yourself. And like I said, I'm not telling you about your specific relationship, but just in general, if you're honest with yourself and you say, hey, 70% of the time I'm frustrated and I don't need that. So well, you'll reach a point where, um, sometimes God puts you in something like that so that you can figure out, hey, I have to love myself enough to want joy most of the time, and I need somebody like that in my life, not someone who is, you know, only a part-time joy. So, like I said, I'm not I'm not telling you about your specific relationship, but just in general, that's the kind of things you got to think about when you're dealing with these relationship issues. you got to have the strength to know that, you know, you're worth you know, there's somebody out there that can give you full-time joy. That's the way you got to look at it. And so you have to ask yourself, do I love myself enough to let go of, of you know, because there's a lot of fear involved in letting someone out of your life. There's a lot of insecurities. But once you overcome that fear, God will normally put someone in your life who will give you what you really need. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And thank you so much for calling in with that question and. Please join our chat room if you have any additional questions and if you want to interact with our uh, chat room audience as well. And I do appreciate you giving us a call. In. You have a good All night. All right. Y'all have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Paul. So um, I, I see that we are filling up the room a bit, and we are um, 
getting a really big interest in this topic, and I just want to um, continue on with the questions that I have for you. Uh, okay. Now, you said that you were you were a specialist in relationships. Have you uh, actually worked with any couples and done anything with them to improve their relationship or to put them in a better place in their relationship? Well, no, not um, not as like a counselor. And when I say I'm an expert on relationships, what I mean is <clears throat> during my seven-year training period, um, God used some of these relationships with me personally to learn these things. <laughs> like, uh, uh, how do you say it? Um, so in other words, I have personal experience with, okay, this is what you're supposed to do in a relationship and this is what you're not. In other words, he almost basically forced me into leaving my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And he did that in such a way that um, I was compelled. And because I had been um, married for 16 years, and it was a very bad relationship, very negative, um, and I wasn't getting any joy out of it, but um, I was very stalwart and saying, hey, you know, I made a commitment. But God made me realize that, hey, look, you know, your happiness comes first, and if this person's never going to be happy and you're not going to be happy with her, then you gotta you got to cut it. Because it's not fair to either of you. You know, there's no sense both of you being miserable. You know, if you cut it, you can eventually find someone else who will be worth, you know, being with, and then she can find someone else too. But so, in other words, keeping alive a relationship that that is really bad, um, there's just no point to it, as far as I'm concerned. That's what I was made to see. I understand that, and um, I, I guess I wouldn't have to be that sensitive to understand that. Because if you see it a lot, you can you can see what happens when you're in a relationship that's not well for you, and if you seem like your your spirit is getting drained by trying to hold on to that, and I know a lot of people that hold on to people uh, who they're no longer connected to, and because they're stubborn and they don't want to let that go. Right, and I and I've seen this in so many people, and in particular women, because there's this you know financial security issue a lot of times, but. They will hang on to a guy who is really, you know, doesn't treat them very well. And they're miserable otherwise, but they hang on out of fear. And, you know, and I feel for them because I know what that that feels like. But on the other hand, like I said, you have to love yourself enough to want something better for yourself. You know, not a life of misery or just existing. You want to have joy. That's our birthright. And so if you're not having joy, then you've got to reevaluate what you're doing. That's right. That's you know you're not here to be miserable. You're here to be happy and and in a and an equally loving relationship. And a lot exactly. of people just want somebody just to have somebody, and so they'll accept whatever comes their way. Right. And, and, and I, I I just believe you should look at see when you're within yourself what it is that you really want before you accept whatever comes your way. Exactly, and like I said, I just I've seen so many people who are are have their own insecurities, and they want to feel needed, and so when there's there's like a codependency going on. So when the their husband needs them, then that that gives them a feeling of security, but it's really a false sense of security because, like I said, you're, these codependency relationships uh, they're often miserable. You're only holding on to each other out of fear, and and that's very very negative, and that's. You know, not a good place to be. Oh no. So now, in 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 your experiences, 
um, have you ever come across any spirit that was, you know, more than just not a good spirit, but something that had a desire to cause real harm to either you or the person <clears throat> well, you know, they were occupying? Yes, uh, I did a... Now, I haven't done um, very many what I would call full-blown exorcisms. Um, I've done a lot of uh, getting small entities off people, and I don't know if you've ever heard of an energy cord. Yeah. But um, uh, an energy cord is like if someone who has bad thoughts about you is focusing on you. There's an mm -hmm. actual cord that comes over and goes into your, you know, psychic body, and it sucks your energy or it makes you feel bad. In some cases, it can give you headaches, stomach aches, whatever. And so um, that's another thing I learned to do is to find these cords and take them off. And in some cases, if if this person or entity is, you know, harming someone who's a friend of mine or something, I might actually follow the thing back to whoever's doing it and give them a good dose of light. Mm -hmm. And I did this, this just last week I did that for somebody who, you know, they, she was complaining of a headache. And I followed this thing down, and it was a woman on the other end. And I actually took the cord and wrapped it around her neck and said, you need to leave her alone. And I gave her some light. And she, like, um, screamed in pain, so I knew that she was from the dark side. Because if she was from the light, then she would have loved it. But she didn't, so. Wow. I'm sorry, I've actually lost track of what the question was now. Well, I'm glad that you that you said what you said, though, because I got, in my own personal experience, I've I've been feeling just those things you, you know, described. Right. In other words, if you're talking to someone and you kind of get this negative feeling and all of a sudden you get, like, a headache, they probably mm -hmm. corded into you. And you don't realize it, and, you know, so you might have that headache for a while until they stop, you know, thinking negative thoughts about you. Wow. So now, um, in, in other experiences, um, when you approach people and tell them what you're there to do, do they, you know, I know sometimes people might think that these things are not really happening, but other people would suggest that you need to have someone come out there and do something for you, and they still find themselves non-believers. Do you ever um, have people, you know, sit there and, and just not believe when you come to them to help them? Well, no, because everybody so far who has requested my services, um, they know unambiguously that there's something in their house that doesn't belong there that's bothering them, and they want it gone. And... Mm -hmm. I would say of the people that are the clients that I've had, um, some of them, you know, probably really aren't into paranormal stuff. All they know is that there's something bad in the house, and this guy says he can get rid of it, so okay. And then there are others that um, that are you know are really curious about okay, what was this, and why was it here, and what can I do, and you know, so it's kind of a mixed bag. But for the most part, if someone is sensitive enough to know that there's something in there to get rid of, and sometimes they even see it and, you know, other things. So I would say most of them, you know, uh, are pretty pretty well understanding what's going on, and, and I, I haven't had anybody contact me who said, hey, I don't believe in what you're doing, because it's like, well, why'd you call me? Mm -hmm. Now, when you, when you come across these spirits, do they try to communicate with you? Uh, you know, just to, to talk well, with you. Well, it's an interesting thing because, um, like I said, I, I, I've been kind of evolving over the years with this, and I got to the point when I started doing this professionally where it was so, to me, easy. I would just walk into the house, 
or if I was doing it, you know, remotely, I would just, you know, go there with my mind. But if I was doing a, a one that was local, I would walk into the house, and to me it was like really simple. It's like, okay, let's do this. Bring the light down. Spirits run in. That's it. Okay, have a nice day. But I there, there was one customer who was, you know, really curious about, well, who who was it that was here? What were they doing? You know, and uh, and I realized it's like, wow, because as soon as I bring that light down. These guys, they run, crawl, fly, whatever. They just want to get into that light. And so what I started doing as a result of that one customer I had, I go, okay, look, here's what I do. I ask whatever spirits are in there to come up and stand in front of me, and I kind of interview them. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, you talk to me for a minute, and then I'll bring the light down, and then you can go. So now I, I pull them up, and I try to get a feel for, you know, who they were and whatever I can get out of them. Um that, you know, I can pass on to the customer because, you know, they, they just find it interesting. And then sometimes it validates something for them, like, oh, yeah, I thought it was a little kid or I thought it was an old lady or something like that. So um, in one case, I did a house in North Carolina from my apartment here in Virginia Beach, and um, the customer was actually driving from Virginia Beach to her home, and I was doing it to her house before she even got there. Mm-hmm. And there was an old woman in the house, um, and like I said, I wasn't there physically. I was just there in the astral. And she came up and she said her name was uh, Gertrude Smith, and she was 97 years old when she died. And for some reason, I just saw her so plainly. She had these incredible blue eyes. Her hair was back in like a bun kind of thing. And for 97, she looked pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's what the way she portrayed herself. And she had an old-style dress on. And she came up and hugged me. And it was like, it was very emotional. And she wanted me to pass on her appreciation to the owner of the house for letting her go. Mm. And that was just awesome. And she also had, there was a 16-year-old boy there. He didn't say anything, though. But um, it was just, you know, it was great. So I, when I called the client back and said, hey, here's what I found in your house, and I said, you know, this woman was so happy, you know, that she was leaving. She wanted to personally make sure you knew that. Wow. That sounds so exciting. I mean, have you ever taken anybody along with you on any of these these journeys? You know, you have to do something to remove spirits. Have, have you taken anybody with you that, of course, will believe it but has never experienced it before? Um, no. Um, there was a couple times when um, there was a few people there because they, you know, wanted to see what was going on. And a couple times I brought a friend with me who's also into spiritual stuff, but... Uh, now, I never really took anybody who um, who was like a non-believer, but I'm dealing with um, a ghost hunter right now that it's obvious that he's not very um, high on mediums or psychics or anything. And he was considering me to be on a show, but he was like, you know, very kind of, you know, not too happy about it. So I told him, I said, well, you know what? Um, and I realized he's skeptical, and so what I said was I was going to work with him possibly to do a demonstration for him at you know some house in his area that has an infestation. And I said, you know, you could go there, set your stuff up, and I'll clear it, and then you should see on your you know registering on your monitoring equipment that it's just gone right there. And who knows what he'll capture on the camera, because when I bring the spirits to a central point to that light, you know, you might be able to capture that on camera. So... That I hopefully, if we do end up doing that together, then 
you know, that'll open up his, him a little bit to like, hey, this is kind of neat. Wow. Now, you said he had a show. Is it one of the shows that we are looking at these days on TV now? Uh, no, no. I mean, he has, a, he has a blog radio show also. Oh, okay. Have you ever been approached by any of the people from, you know, the television shows? Like no. Um, actually, uh, um, I'm just kind of going public um, because, like I said, back in 2007, I started doing professionally. But there was other things I was doing that were continuing my training and working with some other people around here. And you ever, you know, that, you know, the time is right to do something? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, God made sure I knew the time was right to kind of, like, put myself out there. And I ran into uh, a person um, at a meeting of some people who were on a spiritual path. And she, uh, well, you know Jerry Butler. Yes. Yeah, his wife. And I met her, and she's uh, put me on his show, and she also, you know, um, had some other hosts like yourself who were kind enough to let me come on. And so I'm just actually starting to get out there. So when people start utilizing my service and they see, hey, you know, I'm in California, this guy's in Virginia Beach, and the, the damn thing was gone in five minutes. Whoa, whoa that's kind of cool. So we'll see what happens. But um, like I said, um, it... Um, yeah, I'm just kind of just starting out now, and I haven't. This, in fact, you're the first show I've been on. You did um, want to give people more information about, um, you know, things they may have encountered or know of someone who has encountered some things, and you wanted to provide them with uh, some type of tutorial to help them to be able oh. to, you know, do something. Yeah, um, basically. I'm a very analytical person because, like I said, I was a, an officer, and we're trained to study things and analyze it and try to find patterns and all this stuff. So as I was going through all this, I'm collecting in my head, okay, this, 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 this. So um, basically for anyone who's not familiar with spirits, if you have some activity in your house, I can give some advice on, you know, what it may be. Because um, the houses that I go to, the most I've ever encountered in one house was a dozen and six of those were were fairly benign, and six were nasty. Um, why this woman, you know, she had these things in her house for a long time, and this all of a sudden decided she needed to get rid of them and call me. So, But, um, by the way, after I got rid of them all, then she was saying, hey, it's so quiet here now, because, <laughs> you know, all of them were kind of talking to her, or in some way uh, she, she could sense them. So she said it was so quiet, and there was areas of the house that she could go into now that didn't feel heavy, and... I said, yeah, there was a lot of stuff here. Uh, but, um, okay, now I lost track again of, of what the question was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get That's rambling okay. and I forget. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with the questions that um, we were going to um, work with. Uh, what type, we want to talk about um, oh, how I'm sorry. Yeah, what yeah, type we, of spirits they may encounter. Yeah, okay, so, so, anyway, um, so the typical house, this is a typical scenario, I go in there, and there'll be one or more what I call benign spirits, and these are just human spirits that um, just didn't go into the light. And how they got into the house, it varies. Um, sometimes they're associated with the house. Sometimes mm-hmm. they just kind of drifted in, like I said, attracted by the energy of one of the people in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of tend to kind of congregate together, because like in this one woman's house, had the old lady and the little kid. They weren't associated with the house or the property. They just had kind of come in because the woman had a good energy to her, so they were just kind of there. 
um, you know, because of her. But they weren't causing any problem. And so these these kind of spirits, they normally don't cause a problem, but sometimes they do try to get your attention if they think that you can find someone who can send them on. Because um, there is a lot of intelligence um, about them. Uh, one one instance was a, a woman who had a bunch of kids. She had all these toys, and, you know, a lot of them had little whistles and bells and all kinds of noise-making things. So she mm-hmm. said, you walk in the room and all these things start going off every doggone time. And so she called me, and um, when I got there to her house three days later, she says, you know, I thought that after I called you, you know, there'd be an increase in activity, but she says, actually, it quieted down quite a bit. And I said, well, you know why? And after I cleared the house, I could tell her why. is because the spirits that were in the house, they all wanted to go. And so they had accomplished their mission. Once they knew I was coming, there wasn't any point in making noise anymore. So she found that rather interesting. And one of the spirits that was in, her, in the house was her um, her grandmother. Because um, I didn't know it at the time, but I saw a woman coming by on a walker going into the light. And she turned around mm-hmm. and blew, to, blew the client a kiss. And I said, hey, there's a woman on this walker. And she just turned around and blew a kiss to you. And she goes, oh, that's my grandma. So, uh, and, okay, so those are the nice spirits. But then oftentimes you have like two or three nice spirits but there's a domineering, darker spirit in the house. And he sort of somehow holds them there. I'm not quite sure how it works. But um, in a, if I'm clearing a place like that, whatever the nice spirits are, they'll come running up to me right away because they, you know, they're ready to go. And I talk to them a little bit, send them off. And a few moments later, angels will come by with the dark entity symbolically in shackles. You know, that's just to show me that this guy was not willing to go. We had to take him forcibly. And then they'll go into the light, and then the house is clean. Now, sometimes I guess you can have a dark entity by itself in a house, and these sometimes they'll try to um, act relatively benign just so they can keep doing their stuff because, you know, if they – and I don't know what causes them to, you know, all of a sudden maybe do like start doing some bad stuff. But then you got others that, you know, they're pretty bold. They don't care. They just do bad stuff right away and keep going. Uh, but anyway, you, you definitely want to get these kind of guys out of your house. Um, but actually, even if you just had, um, you know, kind spirits in your house that weren't really doing mm-hmm. anything, you don't really want them to hang around for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, as long as they're on the earth plane, they're not experiencing their full joy. So, you know, if you're nice, you'd want them to move on. Um, right. So you're doing them a favor. But also, um, when you have these nice spirits hanging around, like I said, it often attracts one of these domineering spirits in to uh, that wants to control them and then do other bad stuff in your house. So, you know, you're really running a risk if you have any spirit in your house. Okay, so now let me ask you this. Um, is it possible for these spirits to travel on on objects? Like if you're moving from one place to another, can they uh, attach themselves to objects or or things or even yourself and travel with you? Yes, they can attach to people for sure. And and like I said, I call some people are like spirit magnets, and things just get stuck on them, and they bring them home, and then you know then they're in the home, and then that tra- attracts something else. And um, and I've never experienced like a, an object. That I, you know, I had to clear, but mm-hmm. I do believe that um, you know if you bring like some antique or something 
you know, from outside your home in, it is possible there's negative energy that's uh, attached to that. Yeah, I used to, to do shopping and buy antique things until I started reading up on that. And one thing I used to do was get uh, antique uh, African masks. And then uh, someone told me that, you know, you need to do research on those masks before you get them because they're, they're created for certain purposes and you may be bringing home something that's, you know, really bad or mm-hmm. something that, that could bring certain things to your household that you didn't want. You know, that's not necessarily bad. Like uh, someone told me you got to be careful of those fertility masks because they they can carry you know, some type of positive energy to, you know, bring that fertility in the household if mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing. So I I stopped buying those things. You know, if I got anything, it would be like a replica or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so, uh, while we're on the subject of people dragging stuff in, um, it was a, a clearing I did in Chesapeake, and this woman was kind of like a spirit magnet. And... Um, First time I went in there, I cleared the house, no problem. A week later, she calls me up and says, hey, stuff is still here. And I go, well, it's not the same stuff because I saw this stuff go into the light and they don't come back. It's a one-way street. So uh, this was new, a new infestation. So I said, um, well, okay, I'll uh, I'll check it out. And so instead of going there physically, I went there, you know, in my mind. And, uh, yeah, there was a couple of things up in the attic. And the impression I got was is that they were kind of like um, um, when they saw the other spirits go, it's like, hey, me too, I want to go too. And so they came in, they missed the boat, they weren't there in time for when I was there, and so they were up in the attic, literally stomping on the attic to get her attention. Wow. And so the, both of them were ready to go, they just went immediately. And so that's all they really wanted, they just wanted to go. And they saw that someone else had gone, so they go, hey, me too. Um, unfortunately, they didn't make it in time for when I was physically there. So uh, then she calls me a month later, and it's like, hey, there's more stuff. And at this point, I was like, okay, this lady is a spirit magnet, and she needs to do something herself to develop herself and understand why am I pulling these things in, what can I do to combat it, you know, some kind of meditation, uh, protecting yourself, uh, not dragging this stuff in, cleaning this, all kinds of things you can do. And... Um, so when I went there again astrally, this time her guides were there in the kitchen. And they didn't say a word, but I knew exactly what was going on. They just looked at me and smiled. And I knew that the message for her was, look, you can do this stuff yourself. You can learn to protect yourself. You can develop spiritually. And as long, until you do, we're going to keep letting things come in here. Because, you know, the guides could have easily got rid of these things. But um, they were very... You know, they were very powerful guides, I, I could tell. And they were just allowing these things to come in to get her attention and say, hey, hey, come on, you know, start waking up, uh, start developing yourself. So I, I passed it on to her, and I hadn't heard from her since. That was about, you know, a year ago. Wow. That's very interesting. Um, so how how are you able to tell that somebody has a spirit in there if you're not in the same vicinity or if you're not in the house with them? Um, so you're saying like, like for instance, um, if I'm here out in California, if someone says, hey, do I have something on me? Yeah. Okay, well, um, I would, um, project my consciousness and I, and I go into a semi-meditative state 
and focus, and then I see a mental picture of the person, and if there's a cord on them or if there's a, an entity, normally I would I would see that and I could um, douse it with light and get rid of it. Okay. Because, like I said, the part of me that goes out there is not physical. It's right. I'm connecting to a part of my soul that's at a much higher level, and and in that level, there's really no time or space. So that's why it can be, you know, my, that part of me can be anywhere in the world within seconds, you know, just poof. Because, wow. you know, here in the earth plane, we're dealing with linear time and space. But but outside of that, it's a very different story. I know, because I, I do believe your consciousness can travel. Um, when you're in a certain state of mind, that is, you know, you can't, I don't think you can just, Stop where you are and just say, okay, I'm trying to go somewhere. I think you have to be at a, a certain level of your conscious to be able to do that. Yeah, now, so that, most most you know, people uh, most people have had some form of prophetic dream, and like I said, if they had been keeping a journal or something, they could actually see it. But a lot of them had, would have a, you know, because when they sleep, uh, they their soul travels, their consciousness travels in these areas that are outside the physical realm. So... They just don't remember it, and they don't write it down, so they don't. But for someone who would have a dream, say, and then five years later it actually, that specific thing actually happens, then that means your soul, you know, when you dreamt, uh, was up there where there's no time or space and actually experienced that event, and then it took five years for you in the physical to catch up to when it was going to happen. That's pretty fascinating. It is, and um, as I was talking to you earlier on the phone about dreams that I, I used to have, um, I haven't had anything like that lately, but I did dream at one time when I was much younger that I was um, I was actually, I guess, flying or something like that, and I was just traveling in a certain way, and I was just going somewhere, and then I just happened to see this area and I don't know where it was, but it was uh, it was like a shopping center, but it was like uh, like an outdoor shopping center with tents, you know, kiosks and things like that. And then there were like storefronts on each side of it, and then it was really bright and sunny, and there were people walking around. And I actually saw the colors of the tents and everything. And it was really strange because, you know, years later, I went to Orlando, Florida, and I went to uh, – uh, a little shopping area that was right off of International Boulevard, and it looked exactly like the place in my dream. And I kept saying to myself, wow, this is, like, so strange because I've seen this place before, mm-hmm. you know. So now, is there a certain level of, of, you know, strength in your spirit or your conscience that you have to have to be able to do these types of things, to, to have these type of dreams? Um, well, basically, you know, when we come down here, we have amnesia. And so, you know, everybody has has uh, the spark of God within them, but it's all covered up with amnesia. So to the extent that you can remove that, um, and the main thing that keeps the amnesia there is fear. You know, when you fear knowing, knowing things, knowing new things, exploring, and you just want to stay static, then, of course, you don't grow. But, uh, like, if you were to meditate and, and open your mind up to, you know, all the possibilities of the universe, then you're going to grow. And uh, as and as you start doing that, you will start having 
uh, more of these dreams that you can remember where they're very lucid and seem to have a lot of information in them, and they're very interesting. You know, I've, what I've heard was that some people who have a higher level of consciousness that don't realize it suddenly um, have it brought out after, like, a traumatic um, incident, like an accident or, uh, you know, like an injury or something like that. Have you ever come across anything like that, people who are suddenly, you know, strong? Well, I've heard the story, too, spirit? of, uh, like, someone gets in a car accident and all of a sudden, you know, they're psychic or they can do tele- you know, telepathic stuff. Um, yeah, I've heard cases like that. I've actually met a couple of people who apparently were like that, but um, unfortunately, mine was not that simple. It took a lot of hard work, you know, over 12 years, you know, the hard way. So uh, I wish I could have just get on, got knocked in the head and started doing this. That would be great. <laughs> Much faster. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when you get knocked in the head and all of a sudden you're getting information, that's not always a good thing because... The reason it took 12 years is because there was a lot of things to understand before you're given the knowledge. Right. You know, because knowledge is, you know, very powerful, and so if you don't know how to use it, um, you know, that's not always a good thing. So that's why it took them so long, because they had to, you know, drill a lot of human programming out of me so I could understand what I'm getting and use it properly, you know, and not abuse it and things like that. Mm-hmm. So now um, another question I wanted to ask you is what exactly um, can you tell us is the thing that draws a spirit and um, makes them find a purpose to be where they are when they're not crossing over? Okay, let me make sure I understand that you're saying what causes a spirit not to cross over? Right, like what is it that draws them to well, know, it's the a, person it's, that um, they go to? Oh, the, well, well first let me address... Why would a spirit not cross over when it was their time? Right. And the main answer for that would be attachment. They're attached mm-hmm. to the, they were either um, too attached to somebody or, you know, uh, they say that if it was an abrupt kind of death, they just couldn't accept letting go of the, the earth plane. Mm-hmm. And so it boils down to attachment because if you, uh, you know, if you die and, and you got the light there and you're not so attached to the physical world, you, you just leave instantly. It's, so the bottom line is it's an attachment to, you know, things in the physical world. And that's why they don't leave immediately. And then they kind of get stuck because apparently once the light comes the first time, if you don't take it, it's like a bus. you got to wait for the next bus to come. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what they're basically doing when they uh, try to get people's attention. Hey, call me a bus or a cab, will you please? But, and I'm sorry, <laughs> the sec- so the second part of your question was um, what makes them attached to a particular person? Uh-huh. Okay. Like the person well, or location. Yeah, like I said, um, in some cases, um, you know, if they own the house and they had died there, then that's where they got stuck, and they kind of feel like, hey, this is my place, what are you doing here kind of thing. But I haven't actually run into too many like that. Most of the ones I've seen are just spirits that had been roaming around, and they got drawn to a house because a person had a good energy or a person had a bad energy. You know, if it's a negative spirit, then they got drawn in because there's a lot of negativity in that house mm-hmm. and that's why one of the remedial factors is is uh, if you don't want ghosts in your house then um you know try not to have too much negativity going on which you know it's easier said than done but yeah, that's right. what draws these bad guys in is they thrive off that energy of negativity and i guess yeah. like i said if you're a good if you're a, uh, have good energy 
and you draw the good spirits to you, um, you should really try to learn to, uh, you know, because you're probably sensing them at that point if that's the kind of soul you are that, that has that kind of energy. So you should um, learn to um, uh, meditate, you know, get in touch with, with your own spiritual side and, um, you know, ask your guides to help you get rid of them or, you know, maybe talk to the spirit and ask them to leave, you know. Um, well, see, that's another thing. I'm not really sure is if you ask them to leave, if they're actually going into the light or if they're just going next door. Because uh, I've never really asked one of these ghosts this, but I guess I will next time I talk to them. Yeah, because, because technically, you know, they walk out the door and, and because when I bring the light later. down, yeah, when I bring the light down, it's like a conduit to go to the you know the other side. And so, just by asking them to leave, if they already knew how to leave, they would have done it. So, right. And if they so wanted to leave, they would have left. Yeah, you know, when people say leave my house, I think they just go to you know find some other place to go, apparently, and congregate with somebody else. Do you think that it's possible that if you know the person who owns the home? At this point, can, if they if they open up themselves to be able to, to reach out to that spirit, if they could just tell that spirit, because I think that I'm not sure, but I, I'm thinking maybe sometimes they they just need to be made aware that it is not their time anymore and that they need to go. Maybe that somebody just needs to tell them that. Would they listen to you know the person in the household say, okay, it's okay to leave now. You're 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 not. This isn't your home anymore. And you know you are to go somewhere else now. I mean, do you think they would listen to something like that? Well, I guess in some cases, if um, you know, because I've, I've seen this uh, type of thing you're talking about, where someone says, "Hey, you know, you're passed on now. You got to go," and they seem to disappear. So I'm not sure if in that case they're just kind of attached, and they just needed someone to shock them and say, "Hey, look, you know, you got to go." And whether that stirs them to the point where they go, okay, well, I'll go then. If they can actually get into light themselves, that's a very interesting question because, um, like I said, I just don't deal with that because I just bring the light and they go. Um, but that's something I'll, I'll do a little research on. That sounds interesting. Now, I've been watching a few of the television shows on um, the Sci-Fi Channel uh, and uh, some other channels, uh, Travel Channel. Uh, for instance, the Ghost Hunters, Ghost Hunters International, Most Haunted, the Scariest Places on Earth. Now, if you've ever watched those programs, um, all those people that are out there hunting ghosts, as they say, are different and totally different from each other. Except for mm-hmm. um, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. They, they work together, but one in another country. Mm-hmm. But when I look at them, and then I look at the... Uh, the uh, Ghost Adventurers, and then when I looked at Most Haunted, the English group, um, like they're all different, and they're all claiming to be paranormal experts mm-hmm. where they should be used to certain things. But my question is, you know, first of all, do you believe that they're actually seeing some of the things that they claim to be seeing, or do you think it's like generally a TV thing? And my second question would be, uh, if a person is experiencing that, why would they be there and screaming and like, you know, going crazy when they're in the in the vicinity if they do this all the time? Well, those are very good questions, and I, I definitely have opinions myself. Because, like I said, since I've dealt with these spirits and I know how happy they are to leave, uh, some of these shows—I um, don't know if you ever seen *The Haunting*, *A Haunting*, or something like that. 
Yeah. And usually that focuses on some really negative spirit in a house that really terrorizes the people. Yeah. And it seems the typical scenario is they'll call some paranormal investigators and they come in and they're there for a week or two weeks, you know, trying to capture stuff. And then they go, yep, you got something here. And then mm-hmm. they go try to find someone to get rid of it and with uh, varying results. Uh, occasionally mm-hmm. they find someone who actually knows how to get rid of it. But I really feel sorry for those people because, I mean, we're talking, you know, weeks or months of sometimes they end up uh, selling a house or getting out of a lease and taking a, a you know, a hit for that. So um, I just was thinking, oh, my God, you know, getting rid of it is the easy part, well, from my perspective. But, you know, um, so, yeah, my heart goes out to those people because it's like, you know, they got this thing and they can't get rid of it and it's scaring them to death and they're stuck uh, because financially to be in that house and then uh, they really can't find an effective uh, person to, um, to to actually send it away. And and that's that's the, the the good thing about what I do is once it's gone, it's not coming back. Once it goes into that, it's like a one-way street. So, but, um, um, you know how they use all that electronic equipment. Do you think that that equipment is really selling? You know, the, well, the yes, deal? it does seem to, because uh, you know, like I said, we're dealing with energies here. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm sure that they are picking up various energies and occasionally picking up images, because uh, I've actually picked up images with my own camera, uh, myself, uh, orbs, and um, in one case, a, a spirit manifestation of a face, you know, things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, they are, but the, but the only thing I don't like about them is um, they they just focus on saying, yeah, you got something, and I don't know what they do afterward to actually help the person get rid of it. Yeah, that's, and, and, that's what I always wanted to know. Yeah, and it's like, okay, they'll say, yeah, okay, you I gotta got go. something. So now what? Yeah, you got something. Have a nice day. So, uh, <laughs> But, I mean, that is what they do, though. You know, I mean, that's the function they serve. They kind of validate for the person that there is something there. And I really can't say for sure. You know, I don't know what they do afterward, if they actually give them the name of someone they can contact to actually get rid of it or not. But, um some of the shows actually bring a medium out there with them and try to do that kind of thing. But, um, but like well, I said, for the most part, when I watch those things, it's kind of frustrating. Because also, you know, you figure the spirit just wants to get the hell out of there. <laughs> they just want right. to go. And, and here they got people playing around with them and talking to my <laughs> microphone and all this. <laughs> just get me out of here. <laughs> um, would you, do you think that any, at any time those spirits going to kind of like connect to these guys and travel with them out of that house? You know, like just well, I I would be surprised like that? if that kind of thing doesn't happen because um, um, you know I saw one of those shows and I won't mention which, but you know some of the guys end up having issues at home, and I wouldn't doubt it if uh, some of that was exacerbated by some spirit that he took brought home I with believe, him. I remember that one. I think it was from one of the the first ones I mentioned, and uh, it was something that was in here, and I think when his kids saw it or something or felt it, and um. We were talking about, and he did bring somebody in, I believe, uh, yep. to try to help it get get out of there. And that's the only thing that would have made me really nervous about doing stuff like that, you know, especially the ghost adventurers because they've been in places where there have been really bad ghosts where they've been scratched, you know, or mm-hmm. or pushed or whatever. Um, it was one show they had where you could literally see a brick 
being um, lifted up and propelled. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. That was in the basement of some old out in the west. Yeah, uh, something where somebody did some demonic practices or whatever a long, long time ago, and there were people that were killed in there and tortured or whatever. And that, um, like, I I don't think that they were going to get injured or anything, but whatever that was, was, like, tired of them being there in this space and and scared the mess out of them because we picked that brick up and threw it and threw other stuff. And that was the first time I actually saw something actually happen on one of those shows. Yeah, now, that's the kind of place where I would have plenty of angelic help because those are nasty creatures in there. So, you know, you don't want to mess with them unless you really know what you're doing. Oh, absolutely, and and for them to lock themselves in there with that, and I don't think they had that much skill to be able to get rid of it. They were just in there to uh, to confront it. That was it, and to prove that it was there. So, you know, that would have been something I would have never returned to. And then another thing I like to do is to watch to see if one group from one show goes to the same place another uh, group went to. Like, um, they had this place, it was a castle, I guess it was Dracula's castle or something, Transylvania, mm-hmm. and they had a family from, I believe, California or something that went to the castle, and they had to spend the night there, the whole mm-hmm. family, and um, there was a lot of stuff going on in there, and things moving, and noises, and, you know, to me, it was hard to believe it was a, a noises other than bats, because it was an open castle for anything to be making a noise. But um, there were other things going on in there, and I really thought that people were just doing some kind of special effects to scare these people. And um, then they had, like, one of the guys from the other shows go on there into the same place, and none of that stuff happened. <laughs> so that's why I thought that maybe it was just for show, and that's why that show's not on anymore. They just show reruns. So. <laughs> hmm. Well, I, I hadn't seen those particular episodes, but... Um... But basically, well, it could have been that maybe whatever that presence was was no longer there, or they chose not to play with these new people that came in. Mm-hmm. You know, because the spirits, you know, like I said, they, they can choose if they want to show themselves or if they want to do something, they will. But if they don't, they just want you to go away, then they won't play with you. Do you think they would at any time, you know, sense themselves that they are making you afraid? and just not, you know, approach you in any way to scare you? Well, a nice ghost, yeah. I mean, like I said, their 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 goal is not to necessarily scare you. It might be to get your attention to help them. But, but a bad ghost, yeah, like I said, that's their function, or a bad spirit is to create negativity and anger and fear because that's what they like, and that's what they thrive on. So. Wow. So now... Um, if somebody feels like they're being haunted, you know, can you give them some ideas of what they should do? You know, especially people who are not familiar with it, but they know that something's going on. Um, well, like I said, um, it depends on, on what kind of activity you're getting. If you feel like it's um, like a, a basically a nice spirit that's just trying to get your attention, then um, try to talk to it um, in a meditative state. You know, I mean, you don't have to talk to them verbally. You can talk to them with your mind. Mm-hmm. And um, so see if you can, you know, sit there quietly, do a little, learn to meditate a little bit, and see if you can talk to that spirit and say, you know, like you said, suggest that they move, go somewhere else or uh, move on. Uh, um, 
and like I said, if it's a very negative kind of spirit, then I don't know too many people who can contain their fear enough to, you know, just be uh, stoic about it and say, well, you know, just go away, and I'm not going to give you any of my fear or anger or anything. It's kind of tough to do that, um, but... I mean, that would be fairly effective because if you shut off the faucet of what, you know, the energy that they're thriving on, then they'll go find a greener pasture. But, um, you know, there are people around who can do um, clearings um, uh, of various types. Uh, they use different methods than I do a lot of them, but some of them use the same, a similar type method to me. But um, uh, a lot of people use sage. Um, and I'm not, you know, like I said, I never had to use it, so I really can't tell you that much about it. But there are a lot, a lot of people who uh, use that and, and believe that it works pretty well. You know, they, well, it's like a, a smudge stick, I think they call it. Yeah, I had one of those before. And uh, I'll tell you an incident that happened to me when I used it. Um, I used to live in a house in New Jersey that was practically falling apart. I was renting it to own it. And the landlord charging me an astronomical amount of money for rent but wasn't doing any repairs to the house and um so i, I think one one day um he wanted me to start paying more money like taxes or something and i knew that that was wrong for him to try to do that so i while i was trying to get help from you know the local services to, to do investigate or whatever um he kept on threatening for us to leave. He wanted us to leave. So I didn't want to leave because I had paid rent to live there, a lot of money, and I didn't want to go anywhere. So I um, was advised to take some sage and say a prayer and walk through the whole house while I'm burning the sage, right, walk through the whole house just quickly, but mostly outside, walk a little slower because there's more ventilation and all because sage is kind of stinky. Um, and very smoky. And so I walked outside around the vicinity of the property, mostly in the backyard. And I didn't really walk in the front. People were looking at you like you're crazy. So I did that, and let me tell you, it was so weird. The very next day, because I said a prayer, and I kept saying I want to stay in my home, um, I said the prayer. The next day, there was a thunderstorm. I mean, a really bad thunderstorm. And... The house had like a well, like a water well. All the homes in that area did. And I looked out the window to literally see lightning strike the motor and underground to the pump, the water pump. I mean, I saw it actually just come down and just pop right into it and burnt the motor right out. So that meant that we didn't have any water. So what happened was we didn't have to move for several months because the landlord um, couldn't make us go anywhere as long as, you know, that house did not have facilities that it was supposed to. He was supposed to fix it. We were going back and forth on who was going to fix what. Meanwhile, we're using someone else's facility. But um, because of that situation, I actually didn't have to go anywhere like I'd asked. So my thing is you have to be careful what you ask for, for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, be clear on what you want. Exactly. And um, we still stayed in that home for another, like, almost nine months. Hmm. Um, 
but, you know, it still wasn't the best house to be in and all. But it was just so weird to me that that had happened. Just, I mean, I've been there so long that we never, we always have thunderstorms and it never happened like that before, but that was the weirdest thing I ever experienced. Hmm. So I just learned from that. Just be careful and clear of what you are asking for. Yep, that's for sure. <laughs> so now, um, have you come across any challenges in your work that you felt you needed additional help for that was maybe more powerful than you? Well, yes. Like I said, um, um, I can do a, a clearing of, of energies in a house by myself. Um, and then when I'm clearing a house of spirits, the the nice ones who are willing to go, I take care of them, and then the angels take care of the negative ones that don't want to go. And um, so I don't get to interview them. They just, you know, they shuffle by with the, you know, and, and they're gone. So I don't get to talk to them, and uh, I guess I don't really need to. You know, they wouldn't have anything nice to say anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to exorcism, that's totally, you know, the angels do that. Um, I bring the light down instead of, or, you know, throughout the whole house onto the person itself. Mm-hmm. And whatever level of angels required to remove it um, will come and do that. And then in one case, this uh, one I did in April, Archangel Michael himself came and removed the three entities that were in this guy's aura. And Archangel Raphael, the angel of healing, was behind him kind of helping to heal the aura while this was going on. So this guy had two archangels working on him exclusively, you know, no minions, no, you know, substitutes. It was the, the two archangels. So he must have been a pretty special uh, young man. Wow. Or the entities in there were so bad that you know, it required that level of attention. So, yeah, I, I, like I said, I uh, they helped me with uh, the, the real negative stuff, and they keep that away from me. And that's why I never feel... Any fear whatsoever, because I know I'm I'm totally protected by these guys. Okay. Well, that will be the end of our show this evening, Paul, and I want to thank you so much for coming by and uh, talking with me and my uh, audience members in regards to what your skills and experience are in, um, you know, spirituality and and exorcism as well as you being a medium. And I think what you do is a great thing. You are very helpful to people who really need to have you there to believe in what they're experiencing. So I want to thank you for coming by, and I want to also welcome you to come back at another time when we do another show. And um, I would hope to talk to you a little bit later because I do have a couple more personal questions to ask you. Okay, well, I'd like to say uh, um, thank you for having me on. I really appreciated it, and uh, I'd love to come back again sometime. Wonderful. So now if you want to um, disconnect the call and then um, call me right back on my cell phone number so I can ask okay. you a question because it's very important, something that we were talking about earlier during the show. Okay. It came through my mind, so just call me right back. Okay, I sure will. All right. Thank you, Okay, again. bye-bye.
que estás despierta aún, mi
saying people want to stop the war. Stop the war. If they had a love as sweet as you, they'd forget what they were fighting for. What's the man who went to world today? Land of the free. Somebody lied. They can bug my phone and people round my home. They only see you and me singing love inside. Just get some right songs about you. Love is love.
Thank you. 